So should we get started? Do an intro, Mikey. Go ahead. Let's see if you can't fuck it up. Really? I'm just saying. Three weeks in a row now. What? Three? Thank you. Thank you. Three. Lance, if you haven't noticed, we've got a great dichotomy right here. We've got a great rapport with one another. Yeah, it's just a a well-oiled machine. I gotta keep some semblance of order here. They can never take away the fact that I've been the champion. And his tag team partner, former ECW heavyweight champion, Jerry Lynn. You might hear guinea pigs in the background occasionally. And your referee for this podcast, Mike Freeland. It's in your contract in this show that you have to curse at least 10 or 12 times a minute. This is Front Row Material. Ozzy Osbourne blows dead bears. And if you can't handle that fact, get your chunky ass back to that concession stand and sell some snow cones. Welcome to another episode of Front Row Material. My name is Mike Friel, and I am joined by the two former ECW heavyweight champions, Mr. Jerry Lynn and Mr. Chunky Mikey Whipwreck. Gentlemen, come on in. That's it. That's it. That's it. Cut, cut, cut. I mean, look. The last three weeks you fucked it up just because you started laughing. It was just not good. And this, now you're insulting me. Do you want me to do it again? No, you're insulting I, I me th- in front of our guest. It's too late. It's, it's, to, it's to push merchandise. I'll introduce I him. Introduce him and let him, get him, give him a good intro. Joining us now is world-renowned wrestler. He is known for his podcast. He's known for being serious. He is Mr. Lance Storm. Lance, welcome into the program, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Although you kind of did bury me by introducing them as former ECW world champions. So I'm like the only one of the three that didn't hold that title. Oh, man. I never held the tag titles. That's true. I did. Well, you were the triple crown winner. So I got you all trumped. I know. (laughs) (laughs) They trumped. So... A lot of things to get to here um, on this episode. So, Mikey, you had mentioned uh, you know, that you guys were doing a convention up in Philadelphia. You and Jerry got to reconnect again. We're going to be going into that. But Lance is our first guest joining us here. What's been going on with you recently, Lance? Uh, just running my wrestling school and doing my, my own weekly show on the Wrestling Observer site with Brian Alvarez. Now, how long have you been doing that? I've only been back with him again for a little while. Like I started doing the show with Brian probably... 10, 12 years ago, and oh, wow. then stopped doing it a year and a half that I did came to town with, uh, with Cyrus. But uh, right. that turned oh. into a huge workload and work than it was worth. So I tapped that and ended up going back to Brian because it's, it's a lot easier and less stressful. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I concur. Mm. No, Brian loves you. He hasn't had me on in years. <laughs> he really must love me. I don't think I've ever been on his, have I? You're asking me? Yeah. Well, you said you were with him for like 10 years. I, think. Well, I do every one of his podcasts. I just oh, oh, okay. <laughs> the kind of gist of, of what we've been kind of talking about so far, just to kind of let you know, Lance, is some, some stories, some inside stuff about the experiences in ECW. Is there is there anything, any interesting stories you'd kind of like to, uh, to touch upon with the guys to uh, kind of share some insight from your perspective? Um, I, I think the one story that I like, like airing is it's, it's one about Jerry Lynn as well as myself, and it's one of the few times he lost his cool. It was near the end of my run, and uh, it was Justin and I were the Impact players. We were doing a, an angle with the Dudleys in the middle of the show, and then we were coming back for a six-man main event, and I think Jerry was running in on that six-man. And in the middle of the angle, in the pull-apart thing in the middle of the show, Bubba gave me a cane shot, and he got me right in the base of my neck. He was, in his defense, he was going for the headshot. Like, I'm not letting this guy hit me in the head. We've got to come back, and I don't want to have to sell it that big. So I bend for hoping to take it in the back. And he caught me right at C1. And my hands and fingers felt weird for a second. So I went down, and I stayed down. And when they, the segment was over, they got me to the back. The, the doctor's checking me out, and he's pushing on my neck. And whenever he'd push on about C1, it was like those little toys you have as a kid where you push the button on the bottom and they go limp <laughs> it's like I, yes. I start to get weak so he kind of freaked out a bit and they backboarded me neck collared me but the ambulance had gone somewhere else uh, or paul didn't look one i'm not sure which ECW. <laughs> so i'm laying in the locker room strapped to a, a backboard i've got the neck brace on and jerry and i rode together so he's hot that i got hurt and he goes out for his match or whatever and he did a thing with sabu and i remember him telling me Sabu hit him in the back of the head with a chair and Jerry didn't see it coming. 
and busted Jerry wide open. And Jerry got mad and no sold it and turned around and started whacking Sabu with the chair screen. Don't you ever do that again? And he screamed at <laughs> So he comes into the back afterwards and he's standing over top of me because I'm laying on the floor strapped to this backboard. And he's cutting a promo. He's like, ah, oh, God damn it, these guys, you're laying a backboard. I'm busted wide open. Can guys take care of themselves? And I'm, I'm laying there and Jerry's bleeding on me. <laughs> and I'm strapped to this bird. I can't move yeah. a muscle. And his blood's just dripping on my face. And Jerry's he's cutting this promo. Jerry, Jerry. He's like, ah, God damn it. I'm like, Jerry, Jerry. And he stops. He's like, what? I'm like, you're bleeding on me, dude. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he, <laughs> he takes a step back and then starts cutting his promo again. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was one. Of, there's been uh, just a handful of times where I just lost it. It's usually when someone does something stupid. So, but I, you know, it was, it was supposed to be simple. You know, first you get hurt and then it was supposed to be Sabu and Rob and I, we powdered out of the ring and brawled down the aisle back through the curtain. Simple, right? No. So Rob and I are brawling alongside the ring and we're not even ready. I'm not even looking. And Sabu comes flying out of the ring with a dive on us and just in it, my arm slides in between the two sections of guardrail and their feet on me and I'll break my arm or rips my shoulder up. So there's strike one. Then Rob and I start brawling a little bit down the rail, down the side of the ring, and Rob goes, Gout! And just a split second later, a chair flies past my head and at Rob, like one of Sabu's pie faces. So there's strike two. So now I'm just getting ready. We're almost back to the curtain. We got about probably 15 feet to get to the curtain and get the heck out of there. And all of a sudden, kablam! Sure enough, Sabu pie faces me but to the back of the head with the chair now i'm done that's strike three <laughs> i just looked at him and like that said i said i picked up the chair and i just screamed at him at the top of my lungs and i just said don't you ever f and blindside me like that again mother effer i raised the chair up <laughs> over my head and sabu to his credit he took it he took it like a champ and i just you know I, they probably could have arrested me for attempted murder that night and that you should have seen the look on the fans' faces, too, when I did it. They were all just bug-eyed, and their jaws were dropped wide open. And then I just turned around and marched to the curtain. And I'd had it. I was like, it should have been something so easy. But no, you got to hard-way me, you know? So, And poor Lance, like you said, he's strapped in and can't move an inch. And I'm just going off. I had no idea. I was bleeding all over him. <laughs> so who did you really enjoy working with when you were in ECW during your time, Lance? Well, it's not just because I'm on the show, but it's like Mikey and Jerry were, if not the two top, certainly the top three or four, because, and we always used to joke because whenever we heard we were working with each other, we joke, it's like, oh, it's going to be fake tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't going to kill each other. We were were the fake click. Like, oh, we're not going to get hurt tonight. Tremendous. Which is the, the one match I regret we never actually got to. Um, when Mikey was, uh, heading off to collect a real paycheck in WCW, we were building towards <laughs> the three-way dance at guilty is charged in January. And yeah. we'd been teasing, you know, is Jerry going to turn heel or not? And I was basically pushing both their buttons and making them screw each other over. So I kept getting a tremendous win streak and we were building to the three-way dance at guilty as charged, which I believe Jerry was going to get to go over. And it was going to be one of his, you know, big wins before he goes on to getting kicked in the face by Rob a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember when Mikey gave his notice, he wanted to stay and do the match. And Jerry was hurt but was willing to work it if Mikey stayed. But if it wasn't going to be the three-way, he needed time off. And I think Paul gave Mikey a bit of a runaround that he wanted him to finish up by doing a job for Rob instead of finishing our three-way program. So Mikey just went, I'm going to WCW. (laughs) And we never got that match, and I I always regretted not getting to. Way to go, Mikey. Screw up the whole angle so you can go get a check that won't bounce. Hey, at at the time, it was was much needed. My, no, my, I don't my bank, no, I don't my bank account was so far in the red because I had all the I was getting all the ring truck checks too. Oh yeah, all, that's all right. the ring truck expenses. So I had I was getting all those checks bounced. So yeah, it was I was in a really bad spot. Yeah, because I remember you you felt bad and kept apologizing to Jerry and I. And we're both just like, dude, go get paid. It's like yeah, get some this money. Is a job. <laughs> no, he. I said here. too. I said too. We should have done the next January. We should we should have had me. You guys would like scheduled for a match 
We should have done that. And then I would just show up in the middle of the pay-per-view. Hey, sorry I'm late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a year late. We're good to go. Yeah. yeah. Still guilty as charged, uh, you know. But I, I remember, too, because there was the one spot that I really wanted to do in that match. Because, again, I had been screwing with you both so badly and getting you to fight. And I wanted to build to that moment where after you guys had beat me up for a fair bit, it's like you turn and then started just going at each other. And it's like, I wanted to come like I was going to, oh, hey, they're fighting each other. I'll come jump you both and have you both just stop fighting each other, turn, boot me in the stomach, give me a double stunner. I take just the crazy bump out and you then just keep fighting amongst yourselves. I just thought it was going to be great. Both of you hit me with that. Oh, yeah. oh that would have been good. But, uh, well, there's a January coming up. Are we going to do it yet? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> if I gave anyone a stunner, it would do more damage to me at this point. Oh, yeah. You don't want to be landing on your hip, right? Yeah. Oh, I did one last night. I'm like, oh, as I hit it, my arms go numb. I'm like, oh, not good. I really got to stop doing this. <laughs> I told you, don't do anything stupid. I was a manager. I figured, okay, well, I'll just do, hey, can you come in just do a stunner for the finish? I said, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Brilliant move. <laughs> Lance, what first thing that really kind of appealed to you when you were looking at coming into ECW? I mean, I know Mike Jerry both talked about, you know, it wasn't the most desirable place to perform in. What were your thoughts about the building and the promotion itself when you first came in? Well, I hadn't really seen all that much of ECW, to be honest. I, I was really basically following the path, you know, that the Jericho and many others did. You know, I was working full time in Japan with war, actually with Jericho for a while. And I'd known that, you know, Chris, Eddie, Dean, Jericho had all started working in ECW as a, as a means to get exposure in the U.S. while working in Japan. And at that point, all of them had then transitioned ECW into, you know, WCW paychecks. So this was just a means for me to, hey, I, I need to get some exposure in the States as well. And, and it's a supplement to my Japanese income. So it wasn't that I was, you know, going to make ECW my permanent home. I was planning on, like Jericho, you know, work some ECW arena shows while working in Japan and see what happens. Now, when I got to the arena, that was a dump because, well, originally, <laughs> you know, it had that one crappy bathroom that you had to go way down the one side to, to find, you know, before they put the showers and stuff in. Like, it was a, a great place to work. Don't get me wrong, but it was a dump. But. You know, I, I wanted to work in the States. So I came in February 97, I think, and worked Balls Mahoney, my first match. And I, I got called, you know, asked Jericho. It's like, hey, can you put a word in for me with Paul? And Jericho's like, he knows who you are. Just call him. He's like, just don't expect him to call you back anytime soon. <laughs> a lot of good that does. <laughs> yeah. So I just called him and left, you know, a message every couple of weeks. Hey, it's Lance Storm. I'm working in Japan. Interested if you're, if you know, working in ECW, if you're interested in, you know, in need a new town or whatever. And I'd leave a message every two weeks for probably about a month, month and a half, maybe. And then I got a call on a Friday night, probably like 10 o'clock at night. If I had to guess, I'd say from Gabe Sapolsky with a Paul Heyman wants to talk to you. Are you around and able to take his call? I'm like, yeah, because he's interested in bringing you to the arena. I'm like, OK, it's like, OK, well, he'll call you back. And then at like, you know, <laughs> two o'clock in the morning, I get a call from Paul and he's like, we like to bring you into the arena. And I'm like, OK, he's like, when's your next trip to Japan? And I'm like, I leave in, you know, seven days or something. He's like, oh, well, I don't want to wait till after that. He's like, can you be here tomorrow? And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, can you be here tomorrow? I'm like, I wanted to say no, because I know Jericho had said when he went in, he didn't want to make it seem like he was too eager where he'd jump at the first opportunity. but. It was either tomorrow or another month because he wanted me to debut at the arena. So I'm like, if you can get me a flight, I guess I can. I think I was leaving for Japan on like Tuesday or something. So it's like, if you can get me back in time. And he's like, all right, I'll book you a ticket. Hang on. And it's like, you know, I'll call you back. And I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there waiting and waiting. And it's like two o'clock in the morning. Finally, I give up and just go to bed. Like, screw this guy. <laughs> and then it like... <laughs> Four o'clock in the morning, my phone rings with a, I've got you on a 6.30 a.m. flight. Oh, I'm like, great. what? I got to leave in like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I threw my gear in a bag and I, I made the airport and I flew to Philadelphia. So it, wow. I didn't really have a whole lot of time to think about what ECW was going to be like. Oh, jeez. So what, what was your initial thought with Paul himself? Did you feel like pretty straight shooter or did you feel like there was a little more to this guy? 
I, 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 you know, obviously I thought he was a little bit crazy with the, the phone calls and the booking of the flight, but you know, he, he, I got on the flight, I showed up, he, you know, put me in the match with, with balls Mahoney, who I'd worked in smoky mountain with. And thankfully there was a group of fans, hard camera side that had seen me in smoky mountain. They'd come to fan week and watch me wrestle, you know, the heavenly bodies for like 10 shows. So they knew me and they popped for me. And I was one of the few people that didn't get completely crapped on in his ECW arena debut. So I got a good reaction and had a decent match with balls. So when I came through the curtain, Todd Gordon met me at the curtain. It's like, just shook my hand and said, you're welcome here anytime. I'm like, thanks. And then Paul was, you know, putting over blowing smoke like Paul does. Well, you know, it's probably the greatest match anyone's ever debuted in the arena. (laughs) I thought he only told me that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little pissed off now. (laughs) And he seemed cool and he wanted to bring me back. So I'm like, absolutely cool. And again, Paul's a promoter, so he's full of it a lot of the times. But I always got along with Paul and I love Paul. Where would you rank your experiences with the ECW as far as, you know, WWE, ECW and WCW? I mean, would you say that that was because the guys have often said that it was the most enjoyable time they've had? Uh, I I don't know. I I don't think you can compare them. You know, I I loved my time in ECW. I had a lot of creative freedom. I had a lot of great matches and and I loved it. But there was something to be said for WCW as well. You know, I. It was probably the, you know, it was a short period of time, but the, the biggest consistent push I'd ever gotten in my career on a, on a bigger stage with much nicer paychecks. So, so WCW was really cool as well. And then WWE, again, WWE can be both the best and worst of times, but I had a lot of great times there too. You know, I got to, you know, work with Hogan and Edge. You know what I mean? I got to wrestle Kurt Angle and Triple H and The Rock. And it's, it's so I got to do a lot of stuff and, and had, some great times there too. So I enjoyed everywhere I went and and each had their pluses and minuses, but on the whole, it was a a great experience, but I loved the vast majority of my career. We've often heard these stories about you and Jerry rooming together. So I need Jerry, you got to jump in here. We've heard Jerry tell us that you've been the father figure and Jerry was the (laughs) rebellious teenage boy coming in late at night, getting the look so just uh, just give us one, if you can, a story about rooming with uh, with Mr. Lynn. Well, well there, there was really only a few of those. I, I would say most nights he was well behaved. We joked that he was my road wife because we did spend so much time together. But it was just the occasion, you know, New Orleans and a few other places that. <laughs> oh, we you know, know about New Orleans. Yeah, that he's, <laughs> he's going out. Oh. Yeah. When you get up in the morning, he's like, I've got to go buy new shoes. I'm like, what happened? He's like, I stepped in a puddle of puke. I'm like, all right, let's go get Jerry new shoes. <laughs> but the the one that I, I it, it, again, I love Jerry and we've had so much fun. But there was a time where I got deathly ill on the road. I was, you know, I had a huge fever. I was vomiting. I was curling up in a fetal position as we drive to Poughkeepsie, New York. Because I remember I wrestled Dreamer that night. I had. I convinced Paul to actually advertise some matches for a change. And it was me and Tommy, I think, in one of the extreme death comedy jam hardcore matches. And I was just sick as a dog. I'm curled up in the fetal position on the ground. Jerry had to drive. He's practically carrying me in like a corpse. And, you know, Paul, I'm laying on the floor and I get word. It's like, you're not working night. Paul's canceling the match. And I'm like, no way. And it's like, I crawl up the stairs to Paul. It's like, I couldn't even talk. My voice was like, hey, Paul. And he's like, you're not working night. I'm like, yes, I am. He's like, well, you can't even talk. And I'm like, I didn't ask to do a promo. I'm doing my match. And he's like, okay. So I do the match. And again, it's the only time on television with, because uh, Justin did a run in that we close with the, you know, that's not just the coolest. That's not just the best. And I don't say my line because I couldn't talk. And the way this ties back to Jerry, it's like the next morning we get up. Jerry's like, oh my God. I'm like, what? He's like, I had a nightmare last night. I'm like, what? <laughs> He said, I had a dream we were working and I had a brain fart and I looked at you and you couldn't talk (laughs) and I didn't know what to do (laughs) because I was notorious for always remembering the spots. And if anybody forgot, I always managed to keep people on the same page. And Jerry had this nightmare thought of what if Lance couldn't talk and I had a brain fart. Do you remember the first time we wrestled? Do you remember me apologizing profusely after the match to you? For putting your hands up on my super kick? On everything. <laughs> everything. I do. And actually, you're not the only one that's done that to me. 
But yeah, I remember you like, I'm so sorry for putting my hands up. I'm used to working with Rob. I'll never do that again. <laughs> and then did you point out there's a picture in a magazine of me feeding you for a super kick and I look like a whooping crane because my arms are way back and I'm sticking my face straight out at your foot. Yeah, I've got a copy of that photo. I'll, when, when this podcast goes up, I'll tweet it out. But yeah, it, we used to joke that you feed in like a blind man. You're just leaning in with your chin like you have no idea something's coming. But it's easier when you don't have to worry about getting your teeth broken. Yeah, exactly. When you trust someone and then I give you a nice target so you got something to work with too. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that, that drives me crazy today in wrestling. And I harp on all my students. And, and when I did a, a guest training thing at the PC, I was harping on everybody. It's like, it takes two. And it's like, if you're stiff or not accurate with your strikes, it's like, it's going to lead to people covering up. And then those who can throw good strikes don't have a target anymore. And it's like the whole system breaks down. And if you can just trust that he'll give you a target and not flinch and he can trust you that you're not going to kill him. It's like the job gets so easy. And as I mentioned earlier, it gets fake. Right, Mikey? Ah, fake. See it? <laughs> You didn't feed me a good enough target for that clutch. Oh, fuck oh, off. I didn't believe it. I, I sat with my chin up. Like, okay, that, was the, nice the, that was the night with me to set up that three-way. Oh, you remember That's, the shot heard around the world with Don Marie's clutch? Yeah, because that was the night that, again, I was always scheduled to work with one of you, and I would cut the promo that you guys were beneath me, and that at least if you wrestled each other, maybe one of you would win for a change. <laughs> and that night I cut the promo that and the ref's like well you've got to wrestle with these guys because you're you guys weren't falling for it and i'm like oh, i could beat both these guys if i had to but that's not <laughs> going to be a challenge and the ref's like well you think you can beat them both try it right now back to back and i'm like what and they booked the match and i had to wrestle them back to back and i wrestled jerry first and i remember jerry was kicking my ass and we did some kind of misdirection spot where you ended up going into mikey and banging into mikey which led to me beating you and then Mikey comes in for his match right afterwards and starts kicking the hell out of me. And that's when he did the standing suplex into the, the whippersnapper uh, stunner. And again, teasing you turning heel, you didn't want to be shown up by having Mikey beat me and you didn't. You grabbed Don Murray's clutch and knocked the living crap out of him. I quit the next day, went to WCW. <laughs> the only I'm out thing of I, here. The yeah, only thing I didn't do was signal for the left field fence. Oh, yeah. you should have. I should have. <laughs> Barry Bonds had nothing on you that night. <laughs> Let me throw this out here, Lance. The boys have often talked about the crowds in ECW, how, how ravenous they were, and how loyal they were as well. Do you have any good memories or any good stories about some of the fans inside the ECW arena? Any experiences that you had with them? Yeah. And as I mentioned, they, they embraced me early, which was really nice. But to me, there's... The ECW arena crowd was like the true, authentic ECW fans. I would put the Elks Lodge in there with them, too. But a lot of the other times when we go to other towns that weren't our regular haunts, we'd realize that they weren't really fans of ours. They were fans of the ECW Philly Arena fans because they went wanting to imitate the ECW arena crowd with their chants. And it's like they're, they're here to imitate the fans from the arena, they're not here to cheer us on, which I always thought was weird. But because, again, the ECW arena crowd, if you blew a spot or screwed up, they chant you effed up. They wouldn't call it F, but and they would do that. But I'd notice when we went to other towns that we weren't to regularly, if you like missed a splash, they would chant it at you. And I'm like, OK, they don't get it. <laughs> They're just wanting to chant. It's like, no, the guy moving on a splash is not a screw up. It's a, the guy moved, you know, it's like ducking a clothesline. Oh, you fucked up. It's like, no, he ducked my clothesline. But the ECW arena fans would know that, you know, if you slipped off a rope, okay, now you screwed up. We'll chant at you. And there was a match at the arena with Sabu and, and Sabu's a, a weird duck. I love Sabu, but very different cat. And I remember, because I used to do a spot where they'd whip me to the turnbuckle and I'd, you know, vault up and land on the top rope with two feet and jump back for a, a back elbow. And Sabu would do a spot where he'd whip you in for a chest for first turnbuckle. And when you fed out, he'd bounce off the second rope and do a leg, uh, leg lariat. So I'm sitting there with Sabu. He's like, I got this spot I wanted to do. I'm like, okay. He's like, you know, that back elbow you do? I'm like, yeah. He says, okay, I want you to go for that. And I'm going to go for my other one. And we're just going to crash in midair. And the, the marks will think we fucked up. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
He's like, yeah, they're going to chant you fucked up, but we didn't because it's the plan. We're going to work them. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, if you really want to, because I'm not going to argue with Sabu. I love Sabu. I'm like, okay. And Sabu just wanted to work them. And he's like, no, nah, they think they know everything. They don't know shit. And so we did a planned spot, executed it well. And to be honest, if if it was real, I could see us both going for that. If he was going for his leg lariat off the second and I had countered by jumping to the top rope, we could collide in midair. So we did that and we crashed. And it's like we're laying there in a double down. The crowd's chanting, you fucked up, you fucked up. And I'm laying there and I hear Sabu giggling. Like, ha, 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 we got him. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We worked him, Sabu. That's showing him. I did something similar to that with uh, Super Crazy, and uh, it was just something. I, all I did was uh, give the Iggy to the timekeeper and the whoever was sitting at the ringside table because I didn't want to even touch the table. So we just did a spot where I was climbing up the corner by there, and when I got up on the second turnbuckle, Super Crazy ran over, smacked my hands off the top turnbuckle, and I fell backwards to the table. And so we kind of made it look like an accident, and just to kind of shock the people. And I, I think it worked, but it wasn't to have him say you effed up. It was just to, I guess, throw a little shock value in the match. I remember one time I worked with crazy somewhere. And again, I'm the healing the face and I'm beating the hell. And they start chanting USA, USA. <laughs> and it's like, I stopped and looked at the crowd and then like, I pointed at crazy and just screamed at him. He's from Mexico. <laughs> and they all stopped. And then they started the Mexico chant. I kind of looked at the crowd, just <laughs> nodded my head. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> Canadian and the Mexicans having a match. I'm not sure what USA, USA is going to do. That's like I refed at this last WrestleCon. It was a, a three-way dance between father and son teams. And the one team was from Mexico. So every time they were covering someone for the pin, I would do the uno dos while I'm counting the count. I was waiting for more to the story. Just had that to- was it. It was going nowhere. <laughs> like so many of your matches. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ouch. Oh, here we go. We've often talked about on the show some of the, I don't know, some of the moments that might have made you scratch your head. ECW that may you might not have agreed with completely. Was there anything that they did that you were kind of like, man, I'm not on board with this? You know, often the the Sandman situation comes up. Did you feel like anything was done in poor taste or anything that you objected to? There wasn't anything I had to do that I objected to. I or anything you saw that you were like, wow, I really don't necessarily think this motivates the show. Um. I don't think so. You know, I I wasn't there early on when some of the crazier stuff was done. You know, I didn't want to be a part of much of the, you know, the 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 new jack blood crazed run-ins and stuff, but I never was. You know, that was the I think the beauty of ECW is for the most part you got to work your style and do your thing. So I was often having matches with Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam and Chris Candido and, you know, balls and axles were, you know, doing hardcore stuff with New Jack. So I didn't have that. Now, the one thing that just I shook my head at was when Al Snow and Head really caught on. (laughs) I thought that was really underutilized, like the build to the Wrestlepalooza pay-per-view where he challenged Al Snow. I, I just thought they, they could have got so much more out of Al, but you know he got over on his own and he wasn't supposed to get over that big, and I don't think they had the plans for him that were that big, but he was so big. Now, I, as I go, I remember the pay-per-view before that where it was, uh, was actually my first uh, pay-per-view main event. It was me and a mystery partner against Candido and Shane Douglas. And as the match started, uh, Tammy Sitch was my ring, uh, my mystery partner, but she turned on me and they and Chris put me in the, I think the camel clutch and started screaming that he wanted me to do something or say I quit or something. And Paul tells me that I have to scream, no, I'm going to give you head. <laughs> and, and that's the cue for Al Snow to come out as my true mystery partner. <laughs> I forgot about that. I, I just would, would Paul, I think you're just going to scream, no, I'm going to give you head. I'm like, excuse me? I'm going to say what? He's like, well, yeah, it'll cue Al Snow. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but you want me to scream what? And he's like, yeah, you're going to scream to Chris. I'm going to give you head. And I'm like, but I don't want to give him head. <laughs> He's like, no, but it'll work. And I'm like, all right. 
So, yeah, at uh, Living Dangerously in Asbury Park, I screamed out, I'm going to give you head, and Al's music hit, and the place went crazy. Like, it was one of the one of the louder reactions I think I've ever heard. Um, right up there with, you know, the Sandman return at the ECW Arena. Like, it was crazy. But it was a, a weird thing to have to scream at the top of your lungs. <laughs> well, it was better than having him screaming at you. He's going to humble you while he's got you in the camel clutch. <laughs> Gonna break my back and make me humble, <laughs> Mikey. You know you gotta do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Come on, Mikey. Come on, down. You know, Bubba Lester, <laughs> I'm gonna put you to Bramlett to get out of fucking. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> Lester, Bubba, I had to put you to camel clutch, break your back, fuck your ass, make you humble, <laughs> cut it the fuck out. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> oh my oh. god. <sighs> it's the little of the sucks. Oh. It's the little things that make us laugh. Yeah. Could you imagine his interviews now in the 20, 2018 oversensitive world? Wow. Oh, oh, he couldn't say anything. No. Certainly not talk about Brian Blair. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Blair. <laughs> <laughs> You're homosexual. <laughs> I'll place you in my fishing hold. <laughs> Crack your back. Poor Brian Blair. I can't. Uh, well, l- let me ask you this, Lance. When it comes to the way the landscape was wrestling back then with ECW and the way we see it now, do you feel like even when you train your students, do they have the freedom that you guys had back then? Do you think wrestlers nowadays, maybe with WWE, have the freedom to be themselves, or do you feel like it's completely driven by what they're told to say, to act, to look, et cetera, et cetera? Well, in in WWE, they don't have the freedom, but neither did we when we were in WWE. You know, I, I think at the indie level, they have the freedom, but, you know, WWE has always been more controlling than others, and I think where it's, you know, perhaps comes off more strict nowadays is that Back when, like when I went to WWE, it's like I'd already been in ECW, I'd already been in WCW, I'd worked in Japan and Europe. I'd been a lot of places and managed to have the confidence in knowing what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. So I could take the direction of WWE and fudge it a little bit and find my way that works, other than when they wanted me dancing. That was just something I just didn't want to do. But if you get signed to developmental now early enough, I don't think you've found yourself yet. And then when you're given such strict direction, you just follow it because you haven't found yourself in what works yet where, you know, by the time, you know, Jerry got to WWE, it's like he'd been a lot of places. And by the time Jerry and I got to ECW, we'd been a few places in WCW. So you get to find yourself and have a little bit more confidence in knowing what works for you, where if you go through the developmental route, I don't know if you ever truly find yourself. I still haven't found myself. (laughs) No, now you just forget where you put yourself. Exactly. (laughs) I do. (laughs) So what ended up getting you into training people? How did that all come about? Was that something that you had always wanted to do? Was it something you were always interested in? Or was it something someone approached you and said, you know what? I think you might be good for this. Well, I had done it before in that like, I broke in in 1990 here through the heart camp. And, And the heart camp gimmick was they'd always get a one of the better students from a previous class to come back and help teach the next class because, you know, they weren't going to actually be hands-on, get in and take bumps. So in 91 and 92, I taught the heart camp. I trained just incredible when he came up here to be trained by the hearts. So I had taught people before and trained and I liked it and had an aptitude for it. And then near the end of my WWE run, more just because I was, you know, creatively unsatisfied and really not doing a whole lot. I started, Working with the women with fit, we'd, you know, help them put their matches together. I'd walk through them. I'd help sort of coach the women with fit quite a bit. And then when developmental guys were getting brought up, you know, they'd put them with me. And, you know, Vince would be like, oh, if you just help these guys out and teach them how to work and, you know, really appreciate it. I'm like, okay. So I started realizing that I'm being more used to coach, teach, and further along the guys that are eventually going to take my job. You know, I went to Jim Ross and looked into what about becoming an agent and just getting the hell off the road. And at the time, they needed a trainer in OVW. So I 
when Jim's like, well, I don't know if we can, you know, it's a quick transition from locker room to agent. What about a trainer? And I'm like, well, how much does it pay? And what's the schedule? And we, we came to terms. So I, I went to OVW and taught the WWE developmental system for a year and a half and then decided that I didn't want to be on the road anymore. So I decided to, uh, on the advice of Danny Davis, to start my own at home. So when did that actually get started and how long you've been been training with your own school? Uh, started my own school the fall of 2005, so almost 14 years now. Wow. I've been running Storm Wrestling Academy in Calgary. Yeah, it, it you know, took off relatively right away. I think the rep of being the guy that taught the WWE developmental system was a, a good calling card. And then just my rep as being a very sound, reliable, safe worker, I think uh, also really helped. Because if you want to learn how to do your fundamentals and your basics, you need someone that can do that. You need, you want to learn how to be a ring general. You need someone that can do that. And I can do most styles and, and teach all aspects of ring psychology and technique. So it works out well. I really enjoy it. And I've had a, a lot of successes. There's uh, people working, you know, WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, AAA in Mexico, graduates from my school working all over the place. I think you've done well for yourself, Lance. I've done relatively well. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. And my, my body's touch wood holding together fairly well. So I'm, I'm quite happy. You know, when it comes to your career here, you know, looking back now, you know, we, we tend to look back at things. It's hard to look at things when you're in the midst of it. But looking back now, what would you say are some things that you were the most proud of? You know, I'm really glad I did this or I'm really glad I took this trip and I was able to work with this person. Was there anything that stands out, you know, as your top three or four moments that you're like, wow, I'm really, really glad that happened. That was that was on my list. Um, I never had a list, but I main evented Cork and Hall in a tag match with Jushin Liger. And, you know, I worked for Tenru's company War and, and Tenru was supposed to main event the show uh, in a single against a new Japan guy. And the other guy got hurt, so they did a tag match. So he moved himself down the card, and he put uh, me and UGS Aroka against Liger and Samurai from New Japan in a, it was a junior tag title tag match where we regained the titles. He put us in the main event, and I put the whole match together. It was sort of a Liger gimmick. He'd come in and say, you make match, and he'd walk out. And if he liked <laughs> it, he would do it. If he didn't, he would change it. And uh, he liked it, so we did it. And it was a really great match. And we, you know, Tenru was very grateful to close the show with such a strong match. And it was such a big part of, you know, the match was for the most part my doing as far as the finish and the layout. So that was a big moment that I was proud of. I got to wrestle Satoru Sayama, the original Tiger Mask in Japan once, which was really cool. Um, wrestling Terry Funk in Amarillo, Texas for the WCW US title on a, a live event was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life because I, I love Terry Funk. God damn it, kid. Uh, <laughs> my favorite Terry My favorite Terry Funk. I don't know if it was that night or the next night. I worked him two nights in a row, but we're in the back and you know, we need one more false finish. I'm like, well, I've got a really self safe pile driver I can hit you with, Terry. And he's like, God damn it, kid, I don't care if it's safe, just hit me with it. <laughs> wow. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll I'll take care of you just the same, Terry. Um, so that was a good one. But you know. The the Anarchy Rules match with Jerry Lynn in Chicago, uh, still one of the matches I get the most positive feedback from all the time. That a lot of people, you know, remember that match more than any other. It was really? ECW's first night in Chicago, and we were the opener. And the standing ovation we got for our uh, fish out of water spot to this day is still one of the coolest things. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I, I always tell people. Uh, like when I'm doing seminars and stuff, they'll ask questions about working with people and calling it in the ring and stuff. And I say, well, it, it depends on who you're working with, you know, how much you want to call ahead of time. Or, and I told him, I said, like, if I work Lance, we could just go out there and call it all out in the ring. And I tell him, I say, we'd have the fish out of water and the duck, duck, goose. And all we'd have to do is say wildlife. And we had that whole stretch. Well, if we did the full wilderness spot, it was the gorilla press into the fish out of the water, into the duck, duck, goose. Oh, that's right. Yep. But yeah, it's handy to be able to do that when, you know, the dumbass driving the car drives you to the wrong state. <laughs> I told that story a couple shows ago. Yeah, I know. You were nice, though. You didn't really say how much I was burying all the locals. How are these people so stupid? They don't know what county they're in. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in the wrong state. And you're cutting a promo on the whole town. Yeah. I think even Jerry used the phrase map quest. I hadn't heard that in for however long. Actually, 
I had a Rand McNally CD for my computer that I used uh, the program for. I wasn't actually a MapQuest guy. Everybody thought I oh. did, but it was it was Rand McNally. Al Snow turned me onto it. <laughs> so if people want to find out more about your wrestling school, where can they go? Where can they find the information out and get in contact uh, with you? Stormwrestling.com is the best place to go. It's got all the information on the school there. You can follow at Storm Wrestling Academy on Instagram if you want photos and videos and stuff from the school. But yeah, stormwrestling.com is where you get the information. I run three sessions a year starting in January, May, and September. And all the information you want on that is there. And again, I'm the guy in the ring with you. I'm in there wrestling with my students. So they get to, uh, they get to feel working with a real light worker, which actually, it, it, it makes their eyes get real big when they go out and work with other people on the road after they're used to training with me. Oh, I can imagine. Wow. Spoil them. Yeah. And if they want to get in reach with you on uh, Twitter, what is your Twitter handle so people can shoot you questions if they want to reach out and connect uh, It's real with complicated. You. At Lance Storm on Twitter. Perfect. So, Lance. So another you another gotta, fucking easy one. <laughs> you you, you got to remind everyone, too, that uh, not just the one state we drove to the wrong way, but we didn't discriminate. We kind of buried a lot of different cities. And tell them about... When you came off the plane and I was holding a sign, like a driver, like a limo driver. Always in New Jersey. Yeah, the, the Newark airport, because Jerry would always get in ahead of me. Whichever got in first would usually rent a car or wait for the other guy. And whenever we flew into Newark, it's like I'd get off the plane, I'm walking down the jet bridge. And as soon as I get to the gate area, there's Jerry with a sign that just says, I hate this town on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just found a, a postcard in a store somewhere. It was just solid black with white large bold letters that said i hate this town and there were so many towns lance and i would we'd have to head to and we're going man i hate this town <laughs> so i thought he'd get a kick out of that i did lance thank you so much dude that for taking terrible. some time i know we had some technical <laughs> that issues, was awesome. difficulties but uh, was time for no, that was great all right thanks lance thanks, i appreciate lance. it dude thanks, thank you so much dude nice talk see ya did you not have a few beers before the show that fucking prick. No, I can't have beer because I'm on this fucking keto diet. And if you tell, it's going to be fucking terrible. Well, so, I had a carb for three days. Ah. <laughs> so, how long do you think you can stay on this thing? It doesn't sound much longer. It sounds about, like it's about to get dangerous. About two more minutes because I need some fucking I was ice about cream. To say. <laughs> I am. Don't they have carb free ice cream, though? I think they do. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fucking struggle like, right now. Mikey, you might have picked a poor time to start this, and I'll tell you why. It's the holiday thanks season. For thanks for telling me about my so poor life choices, Mike. That's right. <laughs> I make fun of my dog's mouth balls, too. Just don't look <laughs> at them and start picturing a roasted chicken or something. <laughs> what? A roasted chicken? Oh, well, he's starving. Uh, I'm not starving. Like, I, oh. I, I had plenty to fucking eat. Right. I just cannot eat carbs. Well, just don't think about it then. Just think about things that don't have carbs in them. That's no fun. That takes the fun you out. Well, okay. Let me ask you this question. How many how many pounds realistically are you looking to lose? Do you have a goal in mind since you started this program? Ultimately, when all said and done, I'll probably like to lose about 250 pounds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 200. If you turn sideways and stick out your tongue, you'll look like a zipper. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How do you come up with this shit? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> that is the worst, best insult ever. <laughs> oh, there's a t-shirt the for later you. In the, I look like a zipper. The later the night gets, it's like Jerry Lynn uncut. Yeah, you're last night. Holy fuck. Last night, I was probably too exhausted to do anything. So, I'm, so, so I was riding by myself. Because I drove down to right. Philly by myself. Okay. And... Jerry and Shane and Chris and Rodney were all kind of together. And I said, hey, do you want to ride with me up to up to Long Island? So I'm not by myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. That'd be great. So we, we leave. We go to the diner to eat. We're leaving. And we're as we're leaving, he goes, oh, I got I to gotta take my medicine. So he reaches into the back seat, pulls out this fucking medicine bag. He's got ibuprofen. He's got antibiotics. He's got the cough here. And for the record, Jerry. <laughs> you're not three years old. Your cough medicine should not be great. <laughs> I didn't even ask, but you know what? It was awesome. He opens up this bottle of, of cough syrup, and I go, I sell grape, like my child's diamond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that tastes like grape. I said, oh, wow. Hey. So, 
so after eating, we, we, we had to stop at Wawa because Shane wanted to get something at Wawa. So we stopped at Wawa. Then we get a message. Oh, we have to stop. They have to use the bathroom. I look at Jerry. I go, Jerry, we've been driving 10 minutes. It's going to take us 17 hours to get to Long Island at this rate. Oh, yeah. So we had to stop. We were going to have to stop every 10 minutes. So to familiarize everybody, what exactly is Wawa for those who are not familiar? Well, for those of you who are not familiar, use fucking Google and look it up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming it's a grocery store. It's like a 7-Eleven. Do I need a 7-Eleven? That's why... I don't. I don't have a Wawa. So That's I was why just... Apple went with a Siri instead of Mikey, because Siri will tell you what it is. Mikey will say you tell you just to look it up. Can you imagine a Mikey app when you try to talk oh, to I it? Put... I don't know what it is. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, my my personality today is Dick's Last Resort. <laughs> it is. Oh. You can look that up too. Oh, Mike. <laughs> so yes, this trip from Philly to Long Island. It was usually like two hours and 15 minutes. It ended up being like a four-hour trip because the traffic was just horrendous. You're seeing traffic. Holy but cow. we found the greatest way to entertain ourselves, and that was every song yes. that came on the radio, we were able to slide in the lines, lick my non-balls, and it would just fit in perfect with <laughs> every song. It was crazy. <laughs> it wasn't quite Lick it was- my non-balls. <laughs> <laughs> getting in a car with you guys it's not the same as bob dylan but i'm telling you what you can rewrite the words to any song like my non-balls i think you guys need you guys need to come out with an album where you just cover everything here's another week. one yeah uh jesus you're fucking said today uh, you, this is, is my it, rant this is my diary of a whatever is it past uh, your bedtime see i can't even get it out <laughs> when your bedtime you're cranky Wednesday, That's our wife problem. and I went to O'Charlie's for lunch, and we didn't even realize on Wednesday it's free pie day. So That's fantastic. Each, you know, they've got the world's greatest caramel pie. Do you and go it, Wednesday because it's a senior citizen discount? I'm not old enough yet. <laughs> really? I can't wait till I'm old enough. Wait a minute. I thought you had to be 60. Some of them are 60. No. Some of them is 55. You, have, you get the art magazine, though, don't you, Jerry? The what? Let's change the subject. The art well, how magazine. did we get to here? <laughs> The back goes the straight into the garbage. Okay, now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the minute I turned 50, I started getting ARP junk mail. I was like, give me a minute or two. Oh, Come on, I, please. I, I, thought, I thought you said ARP as if you fucking Bob Ross over here. No. Oh, hey. <laughs> I can paint some pretty freaking trees and some pretty mountains. <sighs> happy, happy trees. Happy. Are you happy now? <sighs> okay, so we each get a piece of caramel pie to go and then put it in the fridge at work because she works at work too the same we work at the same company but she's in a different department so i get i I just realized today i didn't see it in the fridge here and i asked her i said uh did you leave my pie at work she says well she says i ate it i said (laughs) why'd you eat it she says well she says it wouldn't have been good by the time you got back. I said, yes, it would have. It's a pie sitting in the fridge. It won't spoil right away. She says, well, I saved your life. And then Annabelle chimes in, I saved your career. <gasps> what? Oh, because, your- oh, you know, that's another thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to tie this all in. This is like a sort of a Pulp Fiction type story, I guess. Different chapters. So as I'm leaving for the airport Friday, Annabelle's in the door and I tweeted the video of her doing her little thing on the door like a cat would do because she's sad I'm leaving. She said she wished I didn't have to go. So, of course, I don't know. It had to be later on the same night. What does she do? Remember, uh, she tweeted a picture of me out in the yard in my smiley pajama pants. We've all seen it. So uh, she had taken several pictures, unbeknownst to me. And I was picking up some sticks that had, you know, I'll pick up sticks in the yard when we get strong winds and I blow some dead branches off and throw them in a burn pile. Well, I'm bent over picking up a stick. And so she edits in a little, uh, little, a giant fart coming out of my butt and tweets it out for the whole world to see. So just because people are laughing at that, she thinks she saved my career. Oh. Hey, listen, she, she wants the rub oh, right now, you no. know? No, she's hustling right uh, now. Gentlemen. So on that note, should we say good night, yes. Irene? <laughs> How does he do that? I don't know. I'll tell you. I, I don't know. I, I fucking He's love Jerry, Jerry Lynn. Lynn. But you know what? You know what the fucking problem is? I'm I'm fucking jealous because I can't do that. 
I'm the motherfucker with social anxiety. <laughs> doesn't want to talk to buddy. But here I am. I'm still fucking yipping. Still and the fucking here. happy go luck. Oh, look at that guy, Jerry Lynn. Oh, he's the one that fucking blows us off. Fun. Wow. Fuck. We'd be used to this by now, though. I am. This is every week. It's, every, it's all the time. He's not even here to say goodbye to anybody. Just leaves. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go say goodbye to everybody. Would you like to help me? Is there anything else you would like to share this week, Mikey? Anything else that uh, on your mind? No. Not really. Okay. I got nothing else. I have one more appearance next week for Greek and Wrestling in Toronto. Uh, nice. My longtime dear close personal friend, Jerry, will be there. And uh, Tommy Dreamer will be there. I will be there. So that's Greek Town Wrestling. And if people would like to find out information, if people want to find information on where to get tickets, oh, I, I, where are you at me? I'm you asking you. idea? What the hell do I know? I would just assume that if you're going to be where and your would like to see you, you could say, hey, if you'd like to come and see me and find I'm me I'm not a promoter. I'm just showing up. You're town wrestling. Let's, it, you know what, Mikey? It's, it's time to say goodbye. So, Jerry Lynn. Why, here's, here's my, why are we saying goodbye for him? Well, fuck oh, him. Because he's not here. <laughs> we can't even do a proper send-off for the guy? If he can't be here for the finish, that's it. Well, can I can I plug his Twitter account so people can continue yeah, to follow him? More. He's here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> you can follow him at It's Jerry Lynn. Go ahead and follow him, and uh, he loves to interact with all of the listeners. And if you want to go ahead and follow Mr. Mikey Whipwreck, and if you have tips for the keto diet, please go ahead and share those. He can be located at Mikey Whipwreck. I'm going to change my name to Chunky Mikey. You should change it. You should change I'm do it right it. now. I don't think anybody would have a problem. I'm going to do it right now. Can I change it on, on Twitter? You can change it. You can change it right I'm now. Do I'm doing it right now. I was just about to say, everybody, in the event that he's not able to successfully change it, just go still follow him at Mikey Whipwreck underscore. But in the event that he is successful at changing it, it will be some derivation of Chunky Mikey, probably still with an underscore, because that's what he's used to. If you want to follow the show, you can follow the show at Pod. And if you'd like to follow me, I am simply at Mike Freeland. Guys, thank you so much for listening again this week. I do appreciate one special thanks to Lance Storm for coming by the program and sharing some of his ECW stories with us as well. If you'd like to go ahead, please follow him on Twitter as well. He gave his information for his wrestling school. If you'd like to find out more information about that, definitely cruise on over there. We'll be posting all of his information on the show's Twitter account. Let him know what you think about the show. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. Greek Town Wrestling, Mikey Whipwreck, will be there. What night, Mikey? Uh, Sunday night. December Sunday 16th. night, upcoming Sunday night. Yes. December the 16th. All right, I promise. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else to talk about. For everybody. What do you mean there's nothing else to talk about? See you next week. What, what do you mean there's nothing else to talk about? I just ended. Oh. Is I it? just ended. Yeah, there's nothing else to talk about. We're, we, we just said goodbye. You can't tell them there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> so what are they going to come back for next week? Well, they'll never come back next week. Well, you, you, there's nothing to talk about now. You can say that. You, you, now they're utterly confused. Do you want me to, I insult them and they Do you want me to tell you, them to like come back next week? Well, yeah, you gotta tell them to be back next week. Who knows? Could be like a Netflix show that just disappears. Ratings suck. Wow. <laughs> the ratings suck. Ratings suck. T shirt sales are down. Mikey offended everybody. Buy a T. Buy a T. Should be a star, right? That was the end. I did the end. That now the official end. I just told people not to go. Okay, home. good. Because we'll Are be back sure? next week. Okay? Okay. Yes. If you say so. All right. That's it, guys. Please hit the stop button on the pot. It is over. We will keep going. You don't have to stop button. It just ends. <laughs> Why would they hit the stop button? I don't, I don't think I have a stop button. I don't think it's a pause button. Goodbye. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs>